Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! Go kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network. We are trying something new tonight um, with a big trade to break down. We are going live for this episode. So for those of you who have joined us live, we very much appreciate it. Um, We will be out there. We're going to take some questions out of the chat and things like that as we get going um, on the show. And then we'll go from there. But joining me, as always, are our producer, Con Arell. Con, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing great, thanks. And of course, joining us as well is Pete Toll. Pete, how are you this evening? Doing great, Keith. Good, good, good to hear it. So, so what we're going to do this evening, guys, is we're going to break down the big trade that happened today between the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers. The long Okafor nightmare is over, so we're really uh, excited about that. Pete is our resident Sixers fan in here, so I know he's got some thoughts on it. So let's break down the particulars first of what happened with this trade. What we saw was the Brooklyn Nets acquired Jalil Okafor, Nick Stauskas, and a 2019 second-round pick. They waived Sean Kilpatrick to open up the roster spot to fit both of those guys in in the deal. And in return, they sent to Philadelphia Trevor Booker. Um, Pete, I'm going to go to you first. You're the Sixers fan. What do you think about this trade from the Sixers' standpoint? I love it because you get a gritty player in Trevor Booker that can rebound uh, he can now actually, you know, stretch the floor. Even though he doesn't shoot a ton of threes, he can knock down the three if needs to. If he needs to, um, you know, can score down low. So uh, gives him a big upgrade, um, especially on the defensive end. Other than what they had in Okafor, but then on the offensive end, he, you know, pretty much can can be on par of, with what uh, Okafor has given them so far. So I think it's a win for Philly. What about UConn from the Philly side? Well, I think with Philly, now that they're trying to push for a playoff spot, they really need rotation caliber players. And they don't want to add any more salary because they want to sign a free agent next year. So they accomplish both those things with this trade. Uh, They give away Jaleel Okafor and Nick Stauskas, who weren't getting any minutes for them. So they don't lose any rotation depth. And they get back a quality power forward that's Trevor Booker's been playing well for the Nets. And yeah, the 2019 New York Knicks pick might hurt, but it's also in 2019 and the Knicks might be good. So I don't think that's a huge loss. And this move is probably a plus for Philly overall. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of that on Twitter, people saying they gave up that second round pick. Why'd they have to give up a second round pick? Well, it's not like Okafor and Stauskas are 
guys that teams are jumping all over themselves to, to acquire here, tripping all over themselves is what I meant to say. It's not that either one of them is a bad player necessarily. It's just not something teams were looking to do. So, so they had to do something to sweeten the pot here, and that helps. And from the Philly side, I don't know that that pick – is going to mean all that much. They've they've already got a fairly full roster, and because they're so young, I think they'd rather fill out the roster with another veteran when it comes time versus picking up an additional um, young player uh, through the second round. I just that's not not something I, I think they they would really look to do. So, for my thoughts from the Philly side, I'm going to tag on a little bit with what both of you said is. Booker's going to help a lot because Amir Johnson is truly the only backup big they have right now. And I think Booker will come in and be really good. Now, people will say, what about Rashawn Holmes, right? And Holmes is a good player. But I think he – we don't know if he's really ready. He's in and out of the rotation. He doesn't play all the time. I think Booker will come in and he'll be a mainstay. Plus, that allows him to spot Amir Johnson a little bit more. You give him occasional night off. You could – on those nights where – um, Joel Embiid doesn't play. You can start Booker or start Johnson and back him up with Booker. I just think he's going to be pretty good. I did see one funny thing on Twitter, and I wish I knew who it was that tweeted it out, so I apologize. But it said <laughs> the like Sixers that. traded Oka for an OK for. So I thought I thought that was that was clever. Um, you know, I thought, yeah, I thought that was well done. So um, beyond that, one of the other things um, with this trade for Philly, and I think Con, you said it, is they didn't take on any long term money which is really important for them. Not that they had long-term money locked up in Okafor or Stauskas, but they improved themselves for the rest of this year. They're clearly barring some big disaster. They're a playoff team, right? You both think so? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I'm in the same place too. So this is a move to strengthen that playoff rotation, and I think that's where Booker will help quite a bit. I think he'll be a you know solid backup for them, as I said, and now let's flip it to the other side. Let's go to the to the Brooklyn Nets. They they didn't give up much here because Booker's obviously not part of their future, although they like him, but he's not a big part of what they're looking to do long term going forward in Brooklyn. And they bring in two guys that they can really take a look at and see what it looks like. So I'm gonna go to you first, Con. Let's talk about Okafor first. What do you think Jalil Okafor can bring the Brooklyn Nets? Well, first, I want to say that the Nets kind of gave away all their future assets and ended up with the two and three pick of the 2015 draft. (laughs) So that's definitely how they're going to want to sell this. Um, But in the end, I really don't think it's that big of a loss for Brooklyn. I mean, they're they're not going to make a playoff push anyway, so they didn't really need that contributing rotation player that Booker is. Um, They get a young guy like Jaleel, who has a lot of talent, highly, very highly tied. I mean, he was the third pick in the draft for a reason. Um, and he was just not in the best situation uh, in Philly there. And he wasn't getting playing time. He was getting into all sorts of off-the-court issues. And I think just like D'Angelo Russell, I mean, Russell, everyone was saying how he had some off-the-court or personality issues or whatever. Hopefully, Jaleel can come in and much like Russell kind of revive his career I think he still has a lot of offensive talent I mean last year he did still show some of those offensive flashes again defensively he wasn't putting in the effort but I think he has the physical tools to be at least an average defender um, if he tries hard enough <laughs> but I really like it for Brooklyn this is kind of continuing what the things that they need to be doing I think he'll be getting a lot of time um, behind Mozgov kind of fighting with Jared Allen for for time, but Jared Allen's still young, so I think Oak Four can kind of play 
uh, right away. Pete, what about you? Okafor to the Nets. What's he going to bring them? Um, I actually am going to go a different route than, than Khan went. I think he actually starts um, for them because I think they're going to phase out Mozgov. And I think with Kenny Atkinson, you're going to see another um, kind of reclamation project um, in, in the making at Okafor. And he's actually going to thrive in Brooklyn. And he needs to. Because it's a you know basically a, a contract he's fighting for an NBA contract um, in the future and then um, he has to show finally what he can do offensively we know he can score down low he has a variety of moves but rebounding and defense have kind of been his weak point so he has to prove something there and then what if Kenny Atkinson can get him stretching the floor maybe not shooting threes potentially but at least you know shooting a, you know the deep. Uh, mid-range shot and knocking that down how um, different would Okafor be um, than the current player he is if Kenny Atkinson gets Okafor shooting threes he's coach of the year (laughs) hands down done give him the award name the award after him Um, because I don't think Okafor is taking a shot outside of the paint in the last two I just think it's a unique thing to maybe think about you know, with no, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. My one. So I'm going to get to what I think Okafor brings the team. But the one thing I worry about with this deal is the fact that they have brought in a, another big and they already have Jared Allen as their develop, developmental big. So I'm a little worried about what what that creates now. Now, you can go to the flip side of competition is a good thing and those two guys can definitely get after it and go after each other so i think that'd be be good to see you know where that goes but it's not the worst thing in the world because those two guys could potentially be the center tandem of the future because Moskov, you're right that he's already phased out he hasn't been playing in the last couple of weeks really at all anyway they've been starting tyler zeller really backing him up with Booker for the most part when he's available. So I think what you're going to ultimately see is you're going to look at the Nets. They'll Once Okafor is ready to go and he's kind of up to speed with what they're doing, I think you're going to see him and Allen be the two main guys. And then Zeller will be kind of that third guy. Behind him and Moskov will be entirely out of the rotation, you know, to begin with. So that's going to be what's interesting there. I'm just going to be curious to see how Jerry Allen reacts to that. Does he take that as a, it's competition and I'm ready to go? Or does that negatively impact him? And we won't know, right? We won't know until we see it. Now, on the flip side for Okafor, what he brings, this guy's a good low post scorer. We, we saw it consistently in his rookie year. He, he did quite well as a scorer um, inside. So I think we're going to continue to see that. I have no reason to believe he's not still a decent low post scorer. Now he's a terrible defender, and he doesn't really do anything but score. But that's not the worst thing in the world for the Nets right now to have a guy they can just throw it into and you know, go, Pete, I know you're the, again, you're the resident Sixers fan here. What do you what did you see in Okafor in his rookie year? Because obviously he didn't show much last year. What did you see out of him in his rookie year that that gives you promise for the future maybe? I mean, his ability, he if you look at him, he has huge hands. So his ability to palm it with one hand, face up, spin off, you know, score down low. I mean, that's basically it was unstoppable um, for defenses down low. And um, if he is motivated, he rebounds. But you saw it. Like any time he would get like a cheap foul, he'd be out of the game. So then that kind of took his head out of out of things, and so his confidence kind of dwindled down. 
then the injuries, and then, you know, this whole mind game back and forth with, you know, the Philly franchise, it's kind of hurt his confidence. So if he can start playing well, scoring some easy buckets down low, you'll see his confidence build up. You'll see those variety of moves that, you know, basically ISOs down in the post. And, I mean, it's it's money all day um, for him. Yeah, Con, I'm going to ask you a similar but somewhat different question, slightly different slant to it. Do you believe that Jalil Okafor can be a well, – I'm going to give you some choices here and you kind of rank them where you think it's most likely. See a starting level center in the NBA? See a rotation guy so can spot start but he's probably more of a backup? Or is he just – he's not an NBA player and you're not worried about it? You know, I'm pretty confident that he can be a rotation player um, because – just he fits into that mold of the backup center po- that can score, backup scoring center that kind of doesn't play much defense. And you you seen that you see that uh, role with guys like I don't know Al Jefferson. I mean I think Okafor is going to be better than Al Jefferson, but or like Ennis Cantor and and guys like this. But um, I think Okafor's offensive ability. I I think Ennis Cantor is a pretty good comp for what I think Okafor can become because. Cantor is a great offensive player. I think Okafor can be a great offensive player. I think Okafor could, like, he's an awful defender. I said this already, but I think he could be average to below average. And even if he gets to below average, I think he could start for a lower level team for sure. Um, be the kind of, I don't know, second, third option on offense. But I don't know if he could be a star like they people projected him. I think he could be a low level starter to rotation player for sure. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I, I don't know that he's the rebounder Canner yeah, is because yeah. Canner's one of the better rebounders in the league. He doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, for being so good on the boards. He's you know a, a, an absolutely miserable defender, almost laughable um, with that. But I, I do think that is interesting um, to see where that ultimately goes um, with that. I will say with, with Okafor, so just to refresh everybody, he played 53 games as a rookie, started 48 of those games averaged 17.5 points per game and seven rebounds per game in 30 minutes. Even last year, in just 22.7 minutes per game, 33 starts, 50 games played, 11.8 points per game and nearly five rebounds per game. So, you know, those are pretty solid. And he blocked 1.2 shots a game. He was over a block a game as a, you know, uh, player. So it's it's not like he's completely helpless on that and he's got at least some idea you know no over an assist per game which shows a little bit of a ability to pass it is funny we're talking about him shooting threes do you guys know how many threes he's taken in his career he's actually taken a couple six he's one out of six so far so i mean maybe he can step up i guess i was wrong that he's never taken a shot out of the paint. Yeah, mozgov didn't shoot very many <laughs> so i mean it might be in that same kind you know of, the only thing with that though is mozgov always did have that kind of decent mid mid-range yeah, true, jump true, shot true. so you know so that that is interesting but um you know he he's definitely a you know he's an interesting player let's let's put it there i'm really glad he's going to get the opportunity to play because it was never going to happen in philadelphia and i definitely think brooklyn there as soon as he's ready to go because I, I don't think you can expect him to come in play even 20 minutes a game right out of the gate you're probably looking more at 10 to 15 for probably the first you know what couple of weeks or so and then i think he'll get in there but let's go to the the other guy they acquired so nick stauskas comes in in the trade uh stauskas obviously right we we all have our last stauskas stauskas right well, well that'll 
he'd never be forgotten. That'll go down in the you know NBA history log. But he is last year he looked like he was maybe turning the corner into becoming a player for Philly. And then this year just never really had the chance. Never didn't get in there um, out of the gate. They've got a lot of wings in Philadelphia, a lot of guys in front of them in the rotation. He's recently started to play a little bit. Um, handful of minutes here and there in the last um, uh, couple of weeks. But, again, just not a part of things. He's probably behind uh, TLC, or definitely behind TLC, probably even behind Justin Anderson when he's healthy. When Markel Fultz gets back, that's another guy he's probably going to have to battle because Fultz is probably going to play some minutes off the ball as well. Then you've got Bayless as another guy plays off the ball. So just you know, it wasn't really going to happen, and that's not to mention Redick, obviously, and Covington who are the starting wing players there. But so to get into it with, with Stauskas, it's not that much less of a crowded wing rotation in Brooklyn. So I don't know. I think this is a chance for Brooklyn more practices early on, get a look at this guy. But the one thing he was supposed to be was a shooter coming out of college. Kenny Atkinson lets it fly, you know, in his system from all over. So Khan, I'll go to you first. Is there a chance Stauskas can get his career on track in Brooklyn? Well, I have actually been surprised at how little opportunity he's been getting in Philly this year, especially because of, like you said, his performance last year. And last year, he was shooting 37% from three on eight attempts a game. Um, and that is high volume and pretty decent percentage. And so I think that'll fit right into what uh, Kenny Atkinson does in Brooklyn. Like you said, there is a crowded wing rotation, but I think you can never have enough shooters, especially in a system like that. So I think it's going to, if he can't kind of revive his career in Brooklyn with this kind of surrounding talent and kind of play here um, or system here, then I don't know where else he could uh, because I think Brooklyn is a great situation for him. But it it is crowded, so he's going to need to earn his minutes. But I, I think if he shows what he did last year, um, I think he'll be able to get some get some time. Yeah, I just I, I struggle to see him playing over Crab, Carroll, Hoss Jefferson. Hoss Jefferson is probably not a true competitor because he's playing more of the big forward spot, or um, even Joe Harris or Karis LeVert off the bench. The, the, you know, obviously when D'Angelo Russell was back, I just I don't know. I but Noah Atkinson. I mean, sometimes he sits guys for you know days and they they'll have been in the rotation then they'll sit for a few days and then he tries somebody different so i think he is going to get an opportunity pete you you've watched a lot of stauskas last year more so than this year because he hasn't played much this year but same question i asked con is he going to get his career on track in brooklyn i'm a little worried because you got joe harris there who's already the better shooter at 41 percent you know Stauskas had his best shooting season last year, and it was 36% from three. And to be a shooter, you've got to shoot better than that. And the thing about it is, is Stauskas started last year shooting a lot from the corners, and he was missing a lot. When he finally got the ball in his hands, could create a little bit, he got a little confidence driving to the rim that set up his outside shooting to be a little bit more successful last year. I don't know that he's going to get the opportunities in Brooklyn that um, that I, I kind of just scrolled really quick and, and saw a lot of people say, oh, this is a great opportunity for Stauskas. I'm like, I don't see him playing other than, you know, garbage minutes or like you said, you know, perfect scenario. If Atkinson sits, you know, Crab or he sits Joe Harris, then you get an opportunity for a game. But you're not going to get a rhythm to to really kind of 
excel playing those limited minutes. So hopefully I'm wrong because um, I like Stauskas and I think he has NBA potential. I just don't know that it's going to be uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm worried definitely about where he goes from here. I don't know that this is gonna gonna get it done for him. It's you know, I I liked him. I thought he had a chance to really you know get through. I thought he showed signs last year, and he just he he couldn't seize on it and couldn't couldn't move forward. We knew a JJ Redick coming in, but I didn't necessarily expect him to be passed by TLC or by. Uh, Justin Anderson necessarily in the rotation. I thought he might play a little bit more um, than those guys. So, so it is, you know, it is a little bit of a bummer to to know that he's not moving forward as the, the way we had hoped. All right, let's uh, get into. I, I'm not overly concerned. I said about the pick. Do either, Pete? I'll go to you first. Your team's the one that gave the pick up. Do you have concern about the pick they gave up? 2019 New York Knicks second round pick. Not really, because where they're going, like you said, it's going to be they're going to swing for the fences again to try to get you know a, another veteran acquisition in free agency, and they have the two big pieces that basically you want to have it as a franchise in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, you know, you you have assets on the team that that are there for the future in Covington, Dario Saric. Hopefully, you know can continue to progress. So, no, I'm not worried about it. That second round pick's not going to be very you know do anything for for the Sixers anyway. what about you con I just think it's telling that um they gave Stauskas Okafor and a second for Trevor Booker and I mean Trevor Booker's not that great of a player I guess I mean in terms of just his standing but to give up Okafor and Stauskas which goes to show how Stauskas's value has dropped and add a pick on top of it I thought it was interesting just to see how these two teams and maybe around the league value these assets if you look at them that way yeah no doubt yeah i you know one thing too that's let's not forget the Knicks might not be bad in 2019 right that's that's not even this coming draft it's the draft after we don't have any idea what the Knicks will be you know if the Knicks continue kind of on the progression they've shown this year they're going to be a playoff team or fighting for the playoffs so so i'm not worried about it as i said kind of to lead off the show they they don't have a lot of room in the rotation, and I think the the very um, few spots that they're going to have, not in just in the rotation, but on the roster and as a whole, they're going to want to fill with vets at this point because they they'll be a playoff team by the time that rolls around. So I think it's going to be clear that they're they're ready to move on. All right, we're going to end it. We don't like to give grades and we don't like to pick winners on trades, but I'm going to ask for both sides. And Pete, I'll start with you. We'll start with Philly. We'll start with you guys. Thumbs up or thumbs down from just the Philly side on this trade? Thumbs up all the way. All right, Con. Yeah, I'm the same way. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna make it three for three. All right, let's do the Brooklyn side. Con, go first. Um, thumbs up. I like the trade for both sides pretty pretty much for me. All right, Pete. Same for me. Gives Oak four a chance. All right, we are three for three with thumbs up on both sides. That's a win-win trade. That's the best kind of trade you have going. Two yeah. teams uh, kind of headed in slightly. I don't want to say different directions because I like the Nets are bottoming out, but the Nets are, you know, they're still on their build. They're they're on a climb up. I want to mention one thing before we move on to our next topic. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, the lone Nets player left from when Sean Marks took over as the Nets GM. That's crazy. He's completely and, turned this entire roster over. And many people thought he'd already be, including myself, thought he would end up being moved just because he didn't really fit 
well um, on that roster. So yeah, and you know what? I think they've kind of found something with playing them as a extremely small ball four. And I know a lot of people say it's Carroll, but it's not. It's Hollis Jefferson because he's defending the bigger the bigger forward um, every game. So yeah, it, it is interesting to to see that. I think they uh, they they definitely have hit on something. You know, with that, I think it's 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 uh, one of those guys. You know who he? I was kind of thinking who he could have a career like. Um, now we're 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 getting off on a tangent, but I think it's a worthy one. I think he could end up being almost like a Luke Rashad and Bamute type. He'd do a little bit, of, a little, a lot of different things. Really, kind of defend anywhere from two through four. Um, hold his own in switches against fives and against ones. If you don't ask him to do it too too often. Not a great offensive player, but not not a complete negative and a minus on that. That's that was just kind of floating around there in the back of my head. That's not a bad one. Um, and just real quick on the net side, I don't want to leave out um, they did waive Sean Kilpatrick, um, you know, in that trade in the Okafor trade. All right, good point. Thanks, Pete. Um, and with Kilpatrick, uh, just just real quick for, for me. Um, I have kind of questions on on what's kind of happened to him this season because. To be a shooting guard and to shoot 29% from the floor, 26% from three, it was a little bit troubling, um, and that's part of the reason why I think they were um, easily able to kind of make the decision to, to move on from him, um, getting Stauskas in there and, and moving off of Kilpatrick. But what do you guys think of, of um, them waving Kilpatrick? Yeah, it's a good point. Thanks, because I, I was already moving on in my head. I like Sean Kilpatrick. I think he's a he's a roster guard. I think he's more of a third um, point guard or combo guard. He's he's not really a true point, but he's not big enough to be a true two um, all the time. So he doesn't shoot it well enough. But I think he's definitely an NBA guy. So I would not be surprised to see him. I don't know that he'll get claimed on waivers, but I wouldn't be surprised to have it see another team pick him up. Um, as the season goes along here, just and I think he's earned it. It was curious to me that he he's play hasn't played much this year for the Nets. I thought when Jeremy Lin went down, he might open up some minutes, and Spencer Dinwiddie obviously sees that those minutes and ran with it. Then I thought when Russell went down, all right, now it's definitely Kilpatrick's turn. And they've actually been just they've been running with Karis LeVert, really running the second unit, um, and really kind of playing without a point guard for the most part on that second unit when they need to. So, so it is interesting. I, I do think though, he will get another chance. Con, what about you? Um, I'm going to pass on this one. I haven't really seen too many, too many Nets games. So I don't think I can add much there about him. I just think, I mean, I saw on Twitter, people were upset saying he's the best asset in, in the whole kind of transaction here. So I don't know what you guys think about that, but I thought it was interesting seeing how many uh, Kil- Sean Kilpatrick fans there were out there. Yeah, and no, that's uh, they, yeah, there there are certainly it was um, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit too. I, I did not fully expect that, but all right, we are gonna um, break here for a second and pay a couple bills, and then we'll be right back to you. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. 
you can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go, in the car, or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. All right, for those of you watching live, you just saw the most pathetic show break ever. But for those of you not watching live, um, that's 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 so Khan can do his work and, and earn that money um, for mm-hmm. us. So we are uh, back at it. Just as a reminder, we are the NBA front office show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I'm joined by our producer, Khan Arell, as well as Pete Toll. We are breaking down some of the trades and news and happenings around the NBA. We just finished breaking down the Brooklyn and Philadelphia trade. And if you are enjoying the show and you're if you're out there watching on the live stream you know please you know download the show subscribe head over to itunes give us a five-star rating and review um and also check out the other shows as part of the almighty baller network a lot of great shows out there um for all different team coverages general nba coverage some shows are more on the humorous side some are more on the serious side but lots of great stuff out there as part of the almighty baller network we're happy to be a part of the team there so we're going to move on from the nets sixers trade and into another piece of news that happened today which was mike james of the phoenix suns now we talked about this we said that this was coming and we knew it was coming because he hasn't spent a minute in the g league since the Suns signed him and that's because of all their injuries and then sending eric bledsoe home and subsequently trading him mike james was converted to a standard nba contract today so how that works he's on his two-way he used up his 45 days or is very close 45 days this is interesting chris reicher if you don't know chris reicher go follow this guy this guy knows everything about the uh, the g league and everything that happens there two ways in 10 days.com it's his fantastic website along with his partner adam johnson they've got a lot of great stuff out there so you know by all means go follow follow uh, those two guys in two ways in 10 days because they can explain everything you want to know about the g league but it's a little hard to track things. I asked Chris, and Chris was like, yeah, we don't really know. And then there's an article on their site about why the 45 days is hard to track. Obviously, it's being tracked, and we know that, but it's not publicly available necessarily. A couple teams are, when they issue press releases on call-ups and in assignments, they're, they're talking about it. But very few other places are. But we do know Mike James just by the fact that he's played, I think, in every Suns game so far this season, or really close to it, we know that he he was getting really close. So once you're at 45 days, you either got to release the guy or you need to um, put him in the G League solely or you need to, to convert him to a standard NBA contract. So what happened was the Suns chose to convert James. In order to do that, they had to free up a roster spot because you don't get an extra roster spot. So that ended up happening by way of they waived um Derek Jones Jr., who if you remember Derek Jones Jr., you probably remember him for one thing last year, and that was the NBA dunk contest. Um this guy can completely jump out of the gym, but fortunately doesn't do a lot else um, in the NBA, has been given very little chance to play for the Suns. So James is now a regular Suns player signed um, by all reports, signed to a, a one-year contract for the remainder of the season. He'll be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. And then Jones Jr., he'll be on waivers for a couple of days. There is interest. I, I, I know I talked to a couple of different teams and folks out there, and there's a couple of different people who are, they're, they're curious that they may maybe because he's also carries a couple extra years on his contract, which is the generally helpful thing you want to have when you're 
going after a young guy like that. And then the other piece with Jones Jr. is that he is um he's got a lot of G League experience and sometimes seems like to have a guy like that who's you know knows what the G League is about. And then the final last piece of this transaction chain is they signed Daniel House to replace James on the two-way. Now, House is, if you remember him, you're either a Wizards fan or you're a Daniel House fan because you're not going to know him for any other reason other than that. I think he played in one game. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, Pete, that's right. I thought you had that. Then I think he got hurt, right? He yeah, he broke, broke his, his hand, his wrist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so House was basically played, played in one game. He was waived by the Wizards before this season started, and then he's been playing for Rio Grande. Am I right on that? In the in the G League, so um, I know you guys have some thoughts on him, but let's go. We'll we'll get to House in time, but let's start out with James. I'll start. I really like this guy. I think he's actually a pretty quality backup NBA point guard. I, I don't know that he's a starter, but he can do some things. Score the ball a little bit. He's he's kind of Lou Williams light, 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 light. Um, a little. He's not quite as good a shooter, but he can get into the paint. He can make some plays off the bounce. I like him. I think he's a you know going to be a solid guy, and you know eventually he. I think he's going to be an NBA um, level backup after several years over in Europe. Con, you got any thoughts on Mike James? Yeah. Well, first, um, I saw him in summer league, and he was he was killing it in summer league. De- definitely a standout player in every Suns game that I that I saw. Um, kind of going all out every game and that really helped him on the NBA team going all out every game because uh, especially in the beginning of the season you kind of always saw highlights or, t- or videos where the Suns are kind of sleeping or a lot of the players aren't really trying but with Mike James you don't get that you get full effort all the time and, and he came in and killed it after the Bledsoe trade um, he hasn't kept up the the kind of torrid pace relatively for him that he started out on but definitely played as a rotation caliber player and i'm happy to see that a guy like that coming like g league summer league getting his chance making the most of it is now kind of getting his nba contract and i'm curious to see um i know we were talking about this earlier but about the 45 days 90 days whether or not i th- i know if you waive a player you can't sign up another two two way player and just use a full forty five days. But maybe if you convert it, that's something we'll need to look up. But yeah, I, I'm I yeah, I know we were talking about that off air before we started the show tonight, and, and none of us were certain on that. So maybe um, I'll reach out to Chris um, and ask him. He's Chris again, Chris Riker, guy knows everything about the G League. Super helpful because his tweet says if you waive it, you you can't replenish it. But I think that. That's to go against the possibility of just using 44 days, waving 44 days, waving, you know, just putting that in a loophole kind yeah, of like it, that. It, and could, it could be, man. You, you, you might be on it. It's definitely something that we're going to have to find out. I also don't know the case converting, right, because you could do the same thing. I mean, you're not going to keep converting guys, but you could do 44 days, convert a guy, wave the guy, 44 days, convert it. You know, oh, I guess um, convert and wave, yeah. But there's the punishment of having the cap, the the cap hold, or the, you know, the dead money on your books. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, th- that's interesting. I know for sure. It, it's it's you know we're all learning about this because these are brand new. You know, and a lot of times we don't find out exactly how something works until we see it um, come into play. And you know, I want to touch on something you said, Pete. I'm going to come to you in just a second. But I want to touch on something. Concept is this is exactly what the two way contracts is for. It's for these guys to step up, 
move along, show that they're worth to the team, and then hopefully get get in there and go. So that is you know really interesting there, and we'll you know see you know ultimately where that goes. So now, Pete, I'm gonna come to you. And Pete, I, I want to ask you the question on... I have to head out, guys. Yeah, come so on, thanks, man. I might be back in a little bit, but yeah. All right. <laughs> you can end we'll it without it. me. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Um, so I'm going to... Pete, I'm going to go to you on James. I know you, you've got some thoughts on Mike James. What, what do you think about Mike James? Um, well, he's a he's a scorer, definitely. Uh, for uh, Penny Athenikos, uh, which is the, you know, the Greek EuroLeague team, um, he was the Greek basket league's most spectacular player last season um ended up helping uh panathinaikos to the greek cup title and the greek basket league championship uh, after he bounced around uh the euro league for a couple seasons um not the the best distributor but i think that'll come in time as he gets more nba experience kind of doesn't go with that rookie fast pace um is able to kind of slow it down run a team i think he's He's not necessarily – he can play starters minutes, but I don't necessarily see him um, in the perfect role as a starter. I think he's perfect as that, you know, first guard kind of off the bench kind of role to where he can put up a good good amount of points. And, and that's what he's doing for Phoenix right now. They, they switched him from starting 10 games a season to coming off the bench for 16 games. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's worked out well switching up the roles for for him yeah and i and i, I think y'all i'm happy ulis is getting the run there because i think he earned that by the end of last season so it's good to see him getting out there and, and doing that i think he you know again he's just a good solid little player so i think it you know really works out well for him so now the the other thought um out there with with james is this way to Phoenix now, stress-free, I guess, is the best way I can put it, gets to look at them for the rest of the year. And they're 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 not going to win anything. They're not they're not even really trying to win anything. We're going to talk about them a little bit more in just a minute with Devin Booker being out and what that might mean for them for the for the at least the next couple of weeks. Um, but you know, James is he he's gonna be there, he's gonna be that backup point guard. And they may flip it back, may start him some and bring Ulyss off the bench. Cause I think Phoenix is probably another week or two, if that, may even start it now from that kind of experimentation phase where they just start trying stuff and seeing what works and what sticks. Uh let's talk about Derek Jones Jr. briefly. I I just I don't know if this guy's got any NBA level skill other than being a supreme athlete. I just I you know I just don't know what's there. He's the kind of guy who's fun to have on your G League team because he's going to dunk and he's going to run the floor and do those things. By all accounts, he's an amazing kid. So I hope he you know does get back into the league. And like I said, he's got a pretty good contract. And teams are always interested in. You know, athletic guys. A guy guy you had on your team for a while, Jeremy Grant, right? That's all he was. And now look at him. Now he's one of the OKC's best reserve players. He's probably looking at a pretty healthy payday um, this coming summer. So maybe Jones, a little bit of a late bloomer, and that's what he turns into. You got thoughts on Derek Jones Jr.? If he can develop a, a three-point shot to where it's consistent, I think that he has a chance. Um, he has a very good work ethic from everything that I've read or, or heard. Um, so I think that's going to help him. And that athleticism that he has um, is is very much a skill that GMs and, and, you know, NBA personnel look for. So I think that gives him a, you know, kind of a on-the-radar shot consistently. Um, he's just going to have to work really, really hard in the next season or two so he's not skipped over by this next generation of 
of, um, you know, NBA stars kind of blooming and or coming in via the draft. Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing. That's a great, great point because what happens with these guys who's prime mass is their athleticism. They don't show something else beyond that athleticism. Yeah. They don't stick around much longer beyond that. So it's uh, definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, what becomes of Derek Jones Jr. From here. He's definitely a basketball player. There's no question about that. You know, and he could be a guy, he may bounce over to Europe for, you know, and end up having a 10 year career overseas and make a ton of money, which would be great for him too. Um, if, if I, if he's going to go that route, go to China where you'll score a bunch of points and it'll look great. And, you know, maybe a team will bring you back um, from there. So, you know, um, you know, good, good story for him though, to make the league as an undrafted guy. Um, you know, and he got a, got a year plus in the NBA and was in the dunk contest and you know, all that stuff. So hopefully, you know, more to come for Derek Jones Jr. Now, Daniel House, I, I'll be honest, I've not had a chance to keep up much with him, but Pete, I know you looked into it. What's he been doing down in the G League? Uh, he's finally expanded his range, um, you know, out of three point line consistently. He's throwing up about seven shot, seven attempts a game, um, shooting a 35% clip from there. Um, obviously he can defend a little bit and, um, has above average athleticism, but I don't, to be honest, I don't really know what he can do at the NBA level because he broke his wrist last year with the wizards, um, ended up being waived towards the end of the season. Um, and so he never he only played one game, and I think he played a minute um, for the Wizards total. So um, I'd actually be curious to to see. I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Devin Booker injury to see if he gets any minutes, um, you know, called up from the from the G League, um, you know, in that interim while Booker's out. Yeah, and that, so let's move on to that topic because House, I don't. You know, I, I don't know. There's we'll, just we'll not see. a lot to really dive into, honestly. Yeah, there, there isn't. And, and the Suns have some other guys that they can, you know, slot into that two-guard spot. They've got, uh, you know, kind of off the top of my head, you play Troy Daniels there. You could even play James there, Josh Jackson. You know, go really big and play T.J. Warren. And Jackson you know, started some. tonight. Did um, he start tonight? I, was, yeah. I haven't had a chance to look yet. Yeah, they're um, playing the Wizards so, tonight, okay. and he started – that makes sense, right? That's probably where, mm-hmm. where I went to with that. But let's get into that. Let's move on to that. Then Devin Booker, he's out with a um, essentially a groin injury, a, a left adductor, I believe it is, or right adductor. It doesn't really matter to us or probably to you who are listening and watching. But he's going to be out, sounds like, two to three weeks as then they'll reevaluate. And it sucks because the guy was playing amazing um, when he went down. He had a big game in Boston. Um, he, he loves playing in TD Garden. He's averaging like 50 points a game in TD Garden last couple of years. And then um, and then he was, uh, you know, really good for the um, – in the Sixers game. He really won that game for the Suns over the Sixers, if, if I remember. And then he got hurt the next game. So it, it – and just for Suns fans, it was all about the growth of the young guys. So – Booker, Warren, Chris, Bender, Jackson. That's all you wanted to see was growth of those young guys. And now, now not just one, but the young guy, the guy that you're you know, maybe looking at building everything around is is down and out. This is not a long-term thing. It's not something I think you're going to be worried about being a, you know, problematic for long-term. If you're the Suns, you're going to let this take as long as it takes, right, until he feels perfectly you ready. You have to. Yeah, right? There's no reason to push him back. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, basically, so, him and him and Jackson are kind of the two that you're hoping 
um, can be your elite guys. And if one of the Bender Chris combo works out, then that's your your tandem moving forward of, of assets. Yeah. So and that and that, and that's a great point because uh, yeah, those are the guys you're building around. So I will say this: it's you mentioned Jackson started tonight. I, that's probably where I would have gone. I, I think that makes the most sense. You know what? Throw the rookie right into the fire. Let him, let him go. You know, see if he can handle 25, 30 minutes a night. If you need really something offensive, we got Troy Daniels. You know, go ahead and throw him out there. I don't know that Jared Dudley, you know, funny, he came into the league kind of as a 2-3 guy. I, I saw him in Boston. He's, I, I think you might need to call Steve Nash back. <laughs> I was um, going to say, I don't know that I'd move him down that far. I'd keep yeah. him at the power forward spot. He's yeah, a little I, slow. I, I think Jared Dudley might be moving up. Uh, the latter yeah. to more towards a small center than he is yeah. uh, playing yeah. down at the two three anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's it's time, Steve Nash. Give your buddy a call. Get get him get him back on the Steve Nash diet. So, and I say this with all. I mean, I'm a big fat guy myself, but but I love Jared Dudley. You know, he's been one of my favorite players. BC guy. You know, shout out to the Eagles. So you know, I, I hope he can uh, you know get it together and, and figure it out and get back to where he was. But it is uh, you know interesting with this. So I will say. Um, hold on. I want to touch back on the Daniel House thing. So Adam Johnson says um, he. I'm going to just read this tweet to clarify an earlier tweet. House's two-way deal with Phoenix is prorated, meaning he will have NBA days of service based on like the season remaining. So good to know. So, so PP, you might be right. We might see House done. I wouldn't be shocked at all because they could use another guy to play the two. Um, up at least, you know, and it's a chance to get a little bit of a look at the guy. You know, might as might as well take take a look. Who's who's there? And Alec Peters is their other two, but he's more of a three four. So you're not going to see him playing the two at all. All right. So so that kind of touches on the Suns, but unfortunately we had a lot of other injuries to go through here. So let's just kind of. I'm just going to. We'll just get into them one by one and and get through them. So Anthony Davis injured. Same same kind of thing as Booker, but. Sounds like it's so hard with these things. You don't really know. Sounds like not as bad because he did. Did he? Did, he's questionable for tomorrow's game, which is an upgrade because he was doubtful from the other day. You don't want to read too much into that, but you know, I'm going to be positive and say you know maybe some improvement um, coming from him, and maybe he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, there, so you know that's what's going on with Anthony Davis. What have you seen from – how does this change things from the Pelicans? And they're trying to be a playoff team. So I guess a better – let me ask you a different question. Would you push Davis to come back sooner where they're they're really trying to be a playoff team? No, because you've got Cousins there. We saw that he put up, what, 40 points the other night. You've got Rondo back. You've got uh, Drew Holiday. Darius Miller's played decent. Um, you've got a, a kind of a, a variation of guys in – you know, Dante Cunningham, I know these aren't big names, but they could fill in a little bit where you're going to throw the ball to Cousins anyway. You're going to look for holidays to pick up scoring slack. So it's not as bad, um, but you obviously don't want him out for two months at a time because then your your playoff chances are going to slip quite a bit. Yeah, and that's exactly where I'm at too. I think, I think your natural inclination is almost like, yeah, you got to get him back so you can keep winning games. Man, Con Lightning fast making the return. Um, <laughs> What's up, guys? <laughs> hey, man, welcome back. We're just talking about Anthony Davis being down and out for the Pelicans. Um, so, what I what I will say is, right, your where I was going was your natural inclination is that Davis 
you want to push him to get back so you can, can get in the playoffs. But I think you're exactly right. If you push him, this guy's been fragile Freddy his entire career. You push him and he gets hurt again. Now he's out a long time. You're in trouble. You're going to be, be really hurting. So, yeah, so you can't do that. My favorite thing that they did was about a week or so, maybe two weeks before Davis got hurt, they went small around Davis and Cousins. They, they brought each one more. In and started him along with Rondo and Holiday, and it's made a pretty big difference. It's it's been good because they're really lack lacking for wing players. When you get Cousins and Davis grabbing twenty five ish or more rebounds between the two of them, you can go small with the other three guys. So I think they're in really good shape with that. So I think what ultimately ends up looking good for the Pelicans is Davis went out and they didn't change anything. They just put Cunningham in his spot. And that's all they did differently there. We The whole goal for tonight was to really talk through Western Conference teams and their rotations and all this stuff came up and we thought this would be far more interesting topics. But that was going to be my, my talk point was they finally figured out how to use Dante Cunningham and that was as their primary backup big. And then the other interesting thing, Omer Ashik out of the mothballs and all of a sudden getting some rotation minutes. He doesn't look too bad. You know, I watched him play the other night. He can still do some things defensively, defending the rim. Um, he's actually saw a lot better than you think he's going to be as far as guarding pick and roll actions. So that is very interesting to see, you know, where the Pelicans go from there. Con, do you have any quick thoughts? I know you're, you're bringing back in midstream here, but any thoughts on the Anthony Davis injury? Well, I'll give you some numbers that I just pulled up. Yeah, um, Anthony it. Davis is on-off differential, so is 12.7. So they're plus 5.0 with him on and negative 7.7 with him wow. off. And to contrast that, DeMarcus Cousins is a negative 7.1, um, which is very interesting, actually, too. So... So I thought I thought that was that's an interesting development too. But the on-off numbers is, is are kind of crazy with um, twelve point seven plus with Anthony Davis on versus off, um, and, and it kind of shows. Um, but Boogie has been playing really well this year, so I think they'll be able to keep keep it afloat without him. I don't know if you guys talked about that already, but yeah, no doubt. So I yeah we did talk a little bit about that and just basically no reason to rush Davis back because Cousins is playing great. I mean, Cousins, I think it's, I think we're going to see as long as Embiid stays healthy, everybody knock on wood real quick. Um, I think Cousins and Embiid, it's going to be the battle for that first team all NBA spot. And I think it's going to be what a defenders or voters rather prize more. Is it, do they more care about defense from that first team all NBA center spot or do they care more about, you know, kind of overall um, profile because Cousins' overall profile probably slightly ahead of Embiid, but Embiid ahead as a defender. So it'll be really interesting, and that that you know something we can discuss on a later show. Remind me, we'll we'll put it out there. Is talk about the ramifications if Embiid makes first team All NBA and what that that does as far as his cap hit next year. Just the Cliff Notes version costs Philly about five million dollars in cap space. Um, so so interesting with that one. All right, let's move on to our next injury. We're, we're kind of into the downer side of the show, but we're going to end on a fun, um, happy topic. But but we got a couple more injuries we got to get through. Steph Curry down for the Warriors ankle again. Looked really bad. Thankfully, doesn't sound like it's maybe as bad. Obviously, I don't even need to ask you guys. The Warriors are not going to push Curry at all. There's no reason. You know, if, if Curry was out till April, they'd be fine. Um, I think, you know, give them, give them a handful of games, four or five games to get back in the groove and ready to go for the playoffs. But they started Quinn Cook 
uh, yesterday. Do you think – so, Con, I'll start with you first. Is Cook going to be the guy that they're going to start while Curry's out? Um, I thought that was interesting. I haven't seen too much of Cook play, but in terms of rotation-wise, I think their idea there is just to keep the bench unit the same, and if something's going to change, let it only be the starting unit instead of both the bench and the starting unit. So kind of to keep um, the continuity there, there I think it, it would be nice to see Quinn Cook kind of show himself on a contending team, too. That I mean, that you can't really ask for a better opportunity than to play with all those guys. So I'm interested to see how Quinn Cook plays, but I think they will keep going that way uh, for now. Yeah, no doubt, right? Another two-way guy getting an opportunity here to to, sh- to prove himself and show what he can do. Pete, do you are you with Khan? Is that the way you'd go, too, kind of keep your bench guys in, intact? Um, well, McCall is injured. Right now, because it yeah, what I, happened to him? I think his I nose, something that. with his nose, like oh, that's right, he had a nose contusion. What the yeah. hell is a nose contusion? Like I don't know if it's bruise like nose, he heavy it too bruise hard? in your nose, or yeah, something. I guess. And he just didn't want to wear a mask. I, I don't know. Really, but really up there digging for nose gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because um, just want to flip back um, to to you mentioned Adam uh, Johnson had had talked about the the two way contracts. Um, two way deals are fully guaranteed as of January fifteenth. So there's going to be a good bit of movement, um, according to Adam, as far as teams go. So this is an opportunity maybe for Quinn Cook to kind of show what he can do if he's if he's not kept with Golden State, maybe you know flip to another team and, and get a, a little bit more opportunity to play. Um, he's lit up the the G League, um, played well um, in, in some spot minutes last year for Dallas, um, a little bit for New Orleans, so he can play. But I think ultimately, um, just to shorten it up, I think McCall ends up maybe being a starter. But you got to watch though because McCall's on that the contract year. So if you play him too much, you're going to have to overpay him, and so you don't want to pay him. You know, have him play too much to get too good to where you have to pay him a lot of money. But you also want to see what he can do. Yeah, and I forgot about McCall's injury, so I definitely agree with Pete there. Um, the, the Quinn Cook's definitely a stopgap for the, that injury. I. I don't know that I agree with you guys. I, I I think Kerr might just go with Cook. Yeah, and keep bringing McCaw off the bench. I Now, here's the challenge. I think you can start McCaw when Draymond's in there because Draymond essentially functions as a point guard anyway You know, for a lot of their sets and a lot of stuff they run. But with Draymond out, I think you have to go with Cook because you got to have somebody who can bring the ball up at least against token pressure. They don't really have that. Because Durant's not that guy. Clay Thompson isn't that guy. So I think it's interesting. Maybe when Green is back and ready to go, then maybe you go to McCaw um, in there. And then when he's out, maybe you go with Cook. It's it's interesting. It doesn't, you know, again, I don't want to spend any more time on this because it doesn't matter. You know, these guys are still going to be fine. And, I mean, they won without all those guys the other night anyway. And, you know, it's it's at this point, you get the Warriors down, you better get them way, way down and then keep going even harder because otherwise you're just not going to beat them. They're going to come back on you and beat you. So it's uh, interesting to see. So now I want to um, get into our next one. Tim Hardaway Jr., the Knicks, he is out. So he and Porzingis were both out the other night. Porzingis came back. Hardaway Jr. is down. Now they're saying it's about two, three weeks with him. This bummer for the Knicks, right? Because Hardaway Jr. was starting to play pretty well, and the Knicks were playing pretty well. And now all of a sudden you're you're down. And that's kind of the one spot where they don't don't have a ton of stuff. They, I mean, big man, they got 
you never want to see Porzingis out, but they got bigs, you know, for days. But with without um, Hardaway, it's really it's Lee Thomas, Beasley, maybe, yeah, Damian Dotson. He's not any good, yeah. um, at least not yet. They found that out quickly. After yeah, they yeah. The last game. Yeah, exactly. Beasley can't. You can't play him at the three anymore. He's mm-hmm. just he can't do anything there. So, you know, that one really hurts. Hey. Yeah, I don't. There's no way you can overreact to it. So you just gotta wait it out, Pete, on yeah, Hardaway. I mean, basically, and the thing I worry about Hardaway is that I saw it could be, you know, potentially worse with it. It just all depends on how fast he can heal from it. Just because of, you know, having the stress reaction, it could be, you know, a couple games, which is essentially a couple weeks, um, or it could linger on for months, um, and you know, become worse of an injury. So hopefully, it's not because. He's finally turned the corner, and, and I think that um, he has shown a little bit. Obviously, that's a pretty hefty contract, but at least he's shown um, that he could potentially live up to it um, in a sense. So we'll see. Hopefully he gets back soon. Yeah, and that's – yeah, to that point is, um, you know, they, yeah, they were pl- playing pretty well. Um, all right, Con, you got quick thoughts on the Hardaway situation in New York or want to move on to our next sad injury tale? <laughs> well, I mean, Hardaway really started playing well since last year and then kind of continued that form from the Hawks here. And with Porzingis and Hardaway out, they really don't have much. I mean, just with Porzingis out, they don't have much. But hopefully he comes back. He, he's that kind of their only wing that can play somewhat two-way. I, I don't know. He's not that great of a defender, but better than Doug McDermott and them. So, um, yeah, hopefully he gets back soon. Yeah, and I think as long as, just one last thing on this one, as long as they kind of hang around the playoff race, which I would expect to continue at least part of while Hardaway's out, that means they can't move Courtney Lee because they really need him. Yeah. You know, so, and, and, and I don't think Knicks fans are going to be okay if this team says, you know what, let's just sell and we're not going to make the playoffs yet. Now, if they're out of it and they start selling off pieces, that's fine. No one's going to complain there, but but they're too close right now. So, all right, so let's. Minskis would have helped. Yeah, right. I know. That's what a stupid waiver that was. All the keep Ramon sessions. I, I don't get it. You know, I mean, God, half the league's had Ramon Sessions now and knows he's nothing more than a third point guard. But but what I, I think we already did a whole show where we talked about that one. Go back and find it. If not, or you can just look through a bunch of disgusting tweets on my timeline. Um, all right, last one, last last couple of injuries because I'm starting to get sad. I don't want to talk about this too much more, but two bigs down for the Charlotte Hornets. Frank Kaminsky with a sprained ankle and Cody Zeller with a torn medial meniscus, if I remember right. Um, so Kaminsky, probably a couple days, maybe a week or so for him. But Zeller, that one's a little more iffy and he's this is a guy who's had some other injury issues so that's that's concerning so kind of let you start it off what does this do for the hornets who are the hornets having to fight their way back in to the playoff race well we saw what it did to them last year when yeah. uh, cody zeller was out they went i think it was three three and 17 three and 17 yeah, yeah. that's three one of those 17. weird numbers that's like burned into my head like I yeah yeah know why, but yeah <laughs> me too um but yeah, so we'll, we'll see kind of how it affects them this year, especially with, I mean, with Kaminsky out, the depth is really short on the big side, but when Kaminsky comes back, that'll at least kind of shore itself up there. Um, I think the East being so so much better than a lot of people expected is really affecting the Hornets a lot too here. Um, so 
I think they the Hornets really are just going to stay around 500, in my opinion, kind of trying to get into the race. I don't think Cody Zeller is going to have a 3-17 and 17 type, type of impact this year. Yeah, I don't think. But not with I'm Dwight. Not sure. Yeah, not yeah. with Dwight there. Dwight, yeah, more and he's been, Dwight's been playing that. pretty well, um, so I don't think it'll have the same effect like as he did last year when Zeller went down. Pete, I'll go to you in a second, but Dwight's been – better than i expected but somehow i still there's times when i'm like this guy this guy's done like i I don't like it's just weird but then all of a sudden pull out like that one where he almost went like coast to coast the other night and you know threw in a little move off the dribble and i was like what like this looks like dwight from 10 years ago so yeah i don't that's such a hard guy to get a handle on and just to you know put it out there they're nine and 14 uh going into tonight Three and a half games behind Washington for that last playoff spot. I had Charlotte as a playoff team. I thought that they'd bounce back and get back in there. I think they've really missed Nick Batum, who is back, but he's struggling to kind of get it going. I don't think they know exactly what they want to be fully. Um, do they, do they want to try for a little more offense, or do they really want to be a slow, slow it down, grind it out kind of team? So that's you know really kind of interesting to see you know, ultimately where that goes. Pete. Your thoughts on the Hornets without Kaminsky and Zeller for at least some period of time? Um, it's going to be a, a loss for them, you know, obviously with Kaminsky, um, you know, kind of being able to shoot the ball from deep, Zeller being kind of a scorer off the bench. But I think it gives time to a guy like Johnny O'Brien, who probably many people don't know who that is. Brandon Bass um, Jr. Yeah. He can get some minutes. Um, I don't think he's going to get a ton of minutes because I think, obviously, Marvin Williams will, will get an uptick in minutes, and then you can kind of play smaller. Um, you know, you'll see Malik Monk maybe get a little bit more time since he's kind of downgraded um, his minutes uh, with Michael Carter-Williams coming back. Um, but I'm not sold on Charlotte making the playoffs, honestly. Yeah, um, I'm not anymore. And, and I'm worried because now um, – you know, well wishes to uh, Steve Clifford, who um, is has an undisclosed health issue. Um, they, they've got Stephen Silas, which is um, Paul Silas's son. Long time uh, Stephen is a um, long time NBA assistant. Uh, he's the interim head coach. Um, we'll get to, you know get to see what he can do, kind of in that head coach role. But I don't think it's going to be enough to to push them in into the playoffs, honestly. Let me uh, say a couple of things on Silas real quick. I got a chance to meet him at TPG Sports Group's Pro Scout School in Las Vegas. Um, fantastic. I know Con's involved in their virtual scout school, um, as am I. I'll be, uh, I'll be helping to run the uh, seller cap section in, in the February lesson. So by all means, check them out, tpgsportsgroup.com. Um, check those guys out. And that they're not a sponsor. They're not paying us for this. They're just a great guys that put a really quality product and effort out there. But I get to meet Steven Silas, great guy, amazing guy, well thought of around the NBA, somebody a lot of people really, really like. So it's um, you know, uh, really good to see him get this shot to kind of prove himself for a little bit, but just not this way. You know, you, you, we, we all, you know, well wishes to, to Steve Clifford, as Pete said, hopefully he gets back soon. One thing I will note with the Hornets, they do have an open roster spot. So it could be potential there because they don't have any bigs. They 
Kaminsky and Zellerow, and they, it's it's O'Brien. That's it. They got Mango Mathiang um, on a two way, but he's he hasn't spent a minute in the NBA, so I'd be shocked if he you know does anything for them. Maybe they bring him up just so that they can kind of have him available. You know, wings for days on this team, and to the point where Malik Monk's not even getting playing time right now. He's completely out of the rotation. So that's you know really curious to see where that goes. But it's it is. It, it's going to be a mess for them behind Dwight Howard because Marvin Williams is even like a four who can play the five. So you might see some really funky lineups in Charlotte coming out because Dwight, he's 24-minute, 25-minute night guy at this point, and I don't think you want to push him much harder. Otherwise, you're going to have three bigs to replace. So hopefully Kaminsky can get back sooner rather than later and you know get in there, and then hopefully Zeller things turn out to be better than I thought. But all right, that's enough on injuries. Last topic of the night here on the front office show, and this is one that kind of Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Mark Stein of the New York Times. First of all, how great is it to have Mark Stein back and you know in, in our basketball lives? Fantastic. Um, with that, missed him all all summer long after his you know done with the ESPN stuff. So great to have him back. But he broke the news today. Mexico City may get an NBA GL team, an NBA G League team as soon as next season. And there's a lot of conversation. They may be an independent team that is um, just not affiliated with an NBA team. There's there's some talk. Maybe they could be the Nuggets affiliate or the Portland affiliate. Neither one of them has an affiliate team. They're the only two without announced plans after the Washington Wizards announced the Capital City Go-Go is going to be their team. And then the, the Pelicans are... Right, the Pelicans are going to be somebody. Um, I don't remember. I don't even know if they've announced the name or anything, but they have announced plans for for a G League team. So, Mexico City now, that's cool, right? But but this isn't the NBA GL front office podcast. But where it is really interesting is this opens the door for Mexico City. Now they're hosting games starting tonight, I believe, right, and through through the weekend down there, the the kind of Mexico City series. That's a market the NBA wants to crack. They the NBA is big in China. It's big in Asia. They do a lot in Africa. Obviously, pretty big in Europe. Massive in in the states. They are Mexico is kind of their their gateway into Latin America and then into South America, and that becomes really big for the NBA because it's a market where they're not huge. So what? they're looking to do here is make this a test market of could Mexico City eventually support their own NBA franchise. Now, about this time last year, and I was part of the one doing the reporting on it, was there was talk about expansion being on the table. The cities prominently mentioned were Seattle, Louisville, Mexico City, Vancouver, and Las Vegas. Those were the five cities that were out there. All of those five cities bring something different to the table. All five are reported to have, you know, some level of interest in bringing NBA team in or back in the case of Seattle and Vancouver. Um, so really, you know, interesting to see, you know, where this goes. So, uh, Pete, I'll kick it to you first. Thoughts on Mexico City, you know, potentially or probably getting their own G League team. I think it's it's great. Um, that gives the G League, I believe, next season is it 27 teams. That'll be a one-to-one. I think that's... Uh, they'll be up to 28 if New Orleans does launch their own yeah. team. Okay. Um, and that actually, for Mexico City, it also um, Mark Spears of uh, ESPN threw out that um, there's um, plans to launch the NBA Academy Latin America, an elite basketball training center 
in Mexico City. So it's you know definitely bringing the limelight there. Um, I want to say to give credit where credit is due, uh, Jonathan Giovanni from Draft Express was on this a while ago. That there was some stuff going on that their NBA was going to open up kind of a regional office like they've done in China and India and a handful of other places. But go ahead, Pete. I think it's just great across the board. Um, you know, not much else to say other than you know it just it, it shows the diversity of the league. Um, it shows that they're reaching all ends of you know the globe and. And, um, you know, nothing's out of reach for the NBA. Con thoughts. Mexico City getting a G League team or uh, NBA expansion maybe coming. What do you think about that? Yeah, I kind of wanted to touch on the national, international aspect of this. It's especially with the top talent in the league trending foreign lately um, with Giannis, Porzingis, Embiid, all these players. I'm curious to see maybe in the next 10, 15, 20 years, maybe you see the soccer world cup maybe the basketball world cup will be something that's actually competitive with all all these different teams and the nba expanding into africa into mexico city just increasing the pool of players that can be trained from a young age just gives other countries opportunities to compete with the u.s in these competitions yeah you know i hope the basketball world cup takes off because i think it's got a chance to be really cool right now right in soccer the world cup's the biggest thing in the world and the olympics is an afterthought complete opposite of basketball right the olympics is the big deal and the uh, fiba world cup is not you know no one really cares now one thing that fiba has to do you can't do qualifiers in the middle of the not only the nba but just the worldwide season because everybody sent their you know, not even their B team for some of these players. They sent their C team. Now, the U.S. can get away with it, right? Because we got more talent than anywhere else in the world. So we send our third-level guys. There was a lot of G League guys who got um, kind of put inactive by their G League teams. And Jeff Van Gundy went out there, and they won their first two qualifiers uh, right around Thanksgiving time. But you can't do that. Just do it in the summer. Do, do it all the previous summer. It's not like soccer where it needs to stretch out because there's 15 rounds of qualifying per you know, region and all that stuff. Just do it in the summertime. Well, for soccer, and so what they do in soccer is um, the every league across the country, basically, t- they take a week off or yeah, take a break. weekend. Yep. They, they break for like the, that one week where all the qualifying games are going to be played. And that's actually pretty interesting if the league... I know this is a hot topic among the uh, around the league too. Is kind of shortening the schedule to I don't know however many games, uh, seventy two or fifty eight are the logical numbers depending on how many you play. But anyway, um, if you decrease the number of games, then it's easier to give breaks like this. And I know the European league doesn't play as many games either. So if this sport kind of becomes global, I can definitely see it in that direction where it takes breaks maybe once or two twice during the season so these players can play but obviously it a lot needs to happen before it gets to that level i just wouldn't be surprised um in the future if that's kind of how it went i I think that's a really interesting thought my challenge with that is i don't know that that the nba is going to want to let their guys go because even if they break you still gonna pick 12 guys to go you know represent and you know if i'm a I don't know, let's say it's Steph Curry right now, and I'm you know, little get this little ankle tweak and I don't know, his team's not gonna say go play. Right? Where and, and I realize in every other country around the world soccer is the the number one sport you know, generally by far and away. And if you know, if the English Premier League, for example, can break for World Cup qualifiers and they can send their best players to places in their clubs. But I think it's international soccer means so much 
to those countries where I think basketball is like, well, everybody's playing for second anyway. So it's, it's going to be tough, but it's, it's interesting. I think well, the will... whole thing, the whole thing revolves around not playing for second anymore. Like if you have yeah, three different Giannis, yeah. if you have three different Giannis on the Greek team, like that's going to push, you know, that's going to push the American team. And then if you're not clear, number one, it might hold more weight. And that kind of all revolves around the talent developing everywhere else. But Con, you're yeah, already it's, wearing it's a tough. Chicago Bulls hat. <laughs> And now you're saying that other countries might pass the United States in basketball. You're you're <laughs> running short here of time on the podcast, man. Um, no, it, it is interesting. You know, I think it'll be uh, really fun to see, you know, where where this goes. You know, and I'm all for anything that gets Seattle a team. You know, Seattle has to have a team. You know, it's just it's silly. And and I just I think I think the league's in a place where they could expand and not be in in a lot of trouble. There is so much good young talent um across the nba we got even more coming in year after year we have the full-fledged minor league just about um there i think i think the nba is in such a good spot ratings are great it's you know one of the few sports where ratings are way up so you know so i think think it's really going to be interesting to see ultimately where this goes but that's going to be a topic we can get into later if there's more news on that. Um, Con, I want to give you a chance. Go ahead and plug yourself, your Twitter, and uh, some of the other projects you're a part of. Yeah, um, my Twitter, you can follow me at Con, K-A-A-N-B-A underscore MTD. Um, and I started podcasting with the Benchmark Podcast with a group of guys from Sports Business Classroom. We all went to in Summer League, and we do kind of mock trade deadline episodes from different teams' perspective every week. I blew up the Hornets a couple weeks ago. I blew up the Grizzlies last week, kind of acting as a GM. So you can go check that out. We have a lot of interviews, too. We got, like, Ben Alomar, director of ESPN Analytics, for example. He came on our podcast. We have a bunch of different guests. So go check that out, the Benchmark NBA uh, podcast. That's all. You guys are gonna have Nate on, right? I think. Who? Did oh, I we're gonna have Nate that? on. We're yeah, we're gonna have Nate on next week. That's awesome. Yeah, no, you yeah. guys are doing good stuff with Thank that you. podcast. So check out the 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 Benchmob podcast for sure, and as well as the uh, website. You find all that stuff on Con's Twitter. Hey, Con, we have an email for the for the show now, right? Oh yeah, frontofficeshow at gmail dot com. Very simple. You can email any questions or comments or suggestions. Positive, negative reviews, constructive, please. But yeah, you can go ahead. <laughs> Front office show at gmail.com. Yeah, you can tell us we suck, but just say it kind of nicely <laughs> so, so we don't cry. Um, I will say too, email in some questions and things like that. I want to, we're, we're going to do some mailbag type episodes as we get into to things here. And, um, you know, as we go, we, we got our blessing of a big trade today, which is nice. That's kind of what the show's all built around with that. Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll, so it's P-E-T-E-T-O-A-L-M-B-A um, on, on Twitter, and um, you know, pretty much that, that's all I've got for now. Yeah, absolutely. It light and simple. <laughs> That's it. That a boy. Um, now, we tried something new tonight with live streaming the show. We're not going to do this all the time, just when there's something really big going on. So thank you to everybody who tuned in on there. I know I was uh, checking that out. We you know, saw it. Saw, you know, people coming, kind of coming in and out as the show went along. So definitely thanks for checking that out. Of course, you can find the show on your favorite podcast player. Um, I think we're on just about all of them now, right, Con? Yeah, we're on TuneIn. We're on um, trying to iTunes, on Stitcher. Yeah, iTunes, Stitcher. Podknife, right? Google Play. Yeah, Podknife, I don't I didn't do that one, but yeah, oh, okay. we're on that too. Somebody put us on Podknife. So, <laughs> you know, and they, they actually we know how we get there. It's because uh, Chris – Chris Axman and the uh, team all 
all at Almighty Baller. They are doing a great job with that. So, you know, we are, um, you know, always excited to be a part of things, you know, over there um, with that podcast. So those, those guys do a great job and they take care of us. So, you know, we're, we're really happy that you joined us, you know, tune in next time. If you are enjoying the show, I'm sorry, if you're enjoying the show, please go back and give us a five-star rating or review. It really does help the show out, helps us uh, get into a good place. But this has been the NBA Front Office Show. We are part of the Almighty Bar Podcast Network. I'm Keith Smith, your host, and we will talk to you next time. drain plug you put the plug in the drain right ah it's on the dock there's a reason they say curse like a sailor Ah, many reasons progressive's boat insurance has you covered quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates and now an ad from dad save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.